Welcome to Unity of Tucson. For the past several weeks, this is the fourth week of our journey in what we, in, a, in, an, in an opportunity and a structure that we engage in every fall called the Fall Renewal Series. And we've been looking at a particular book. Of course, I realized I didn't bring the book up with me, so I can't show it to you. But the book is called The Five Principles by Ellen Devonport. I think we're in week four, so I think most of you probably are aware of the book. And the book basically outlines the five things that unity teaches. And then we, everything else that is like around that all point back to those principles. And so part of what is unfolding is we're in week four, so I would imagine you'd probably guess that we're in the fourth principle out of five. And as we have looked at these principles, this week my intention is to start putting it together, which is the title of my talk, the title of my message, putting it together. So the principles that we have looked at so far, I'm going to shorthand them. Number one, God is. Period, end of sentence. God is. God is the only thing that exists. There, there is nothing other than God. God is the infinite creative source energy that is, that is responsible and is the responsibly expressive nature of all that is. God is the only thing that exists. That's the first principle. The second principle is, one of my favorites, we are God. Ooh, blasphemy. <laughs> but here's the thing about that. As I said when I spoke on this topic a few weeks ago, if I know who I am and I am willing to claim my divine identity and know that about all creation, every single person I encounter, that actually becomes the great equalizer. And how can there be any hierarchical difference or conflict when I know who I am, if I know who I am and I know who you are? So if I know and can claim I am that power, I am the divinity, I am God, I must accept it and understand it about every single person I encounter, and that becomes the great equalizer. So God is, I am that, you are that, we are this infinite power and presence. Now just logically, you hear me say this all the time, if God is infinite, well then we must be God because there can be nothing separate from the infinite, otherwise God would be finite because it would have edges, it would have something other than. And so we are part of the infinite power and presence. Now the other thing is that when I state I am God and I know that, that you are God, I am not saying, I am the allness of God. <laughs> I am that I am. <laughs> I'm an individualization of the magnificent energy that is creation. And as I accept that for myself, I find myself having more access to the whole of it in my, in, in my individualization. So, God is, we are, that's the second principle. The third principle is this. Your thoughts are creative because your thoughts are God's thoughts. God's thoughts are creative. So if you are God, your thoughts are creative. Now, there's other aspects of this as well. Your thoughts and your beliefs and your feelings are all, all working together to create the quality of your life. 
And so if you would like a higher quality of life, as I said earlier, the thing to really look at are the beliefs because your thoughts are springing forth from your belief system. What am I doing here? I'm springing forth. And so that brings us to the fourth principle, the manner in which we direct our thoughts, our beliefs, and our feelings. And that is we teach here at Unity through spiritual practice. Spiritual practice. Primarily, prayer and meditation. Those are the two primary spiritual practices we teach. There are many spiritual practices. Those are the two primary, and we do other things. We do, the, uh, we do visioning, and we do journaling, and we do all kinds of spiritual practice. We do dance. Yes, Sherry's like, we do dance. <laughs> For me, what I have found in my experience is that prayer is where it's at. Prayer is where it's at. If I'm looking to enhance or change the quality of my life, then my work is done in prayer. That's what I have adopted into my belief system. That is what I have adopted into my practice and experience of life. Charles Fillmore, in The Revealing Word, defines prayer in this manner. He says, prayer is the most highly accelerated mind action known. I think there's a... Is there a slide for this? No, there isn't a slide for this. Never mind. Prayer... (laughs) I have slides today. Prayer is the most highly accelerated mind action known. It steps up mental action until one's consciousness synchronizes with the Christ mind, the infinite, powerful Christ mind. It is the language of spirituality. I love that. It is the language of spirituality. When developed, it makes one the master in the realm of creative ideas. He starts that definition. That's actually the second paragraph of the, de- of the definition. He starts the definition by saying this. Prayer is communion between God and man. Prayer is communion between God and man. Now I do have a slide, because here's what Meister Eckhart said in the 14th century. Between God and me, there is no between. So if prayer is communion between God and man, and between God and me, there is no between, what does that leave us with? We are that power. We are that presence. And the degree to which we are taking charge of our thoughts, beliefs, and our feelings that are wrapped up all around that, we are active in the construction and creation of our experience of life. The implications of there being no between is that what we think, what we believe, what we feel is divine. What we speak rooted in this consciousness is divine. It means we have dominion. (laughs) People don't like that word sometimes. because, like, oh, is he saying we have dominion over all of that? No, we have dominion over our own use of our mind. And as we are putting it into practice, as we are putting it together to understand the truth of our being, we can enhance the quality of our lives because we use this infinite creative power. We become the ultimate authority of our own lives. We have stopped giving ourselves away. And that is a primary way in which we differ from many traditional uh, faith traditions because we don't put God out there We don't put God out there. Prayer is not a supplication to something out there. It is a statement of authority, being the authority, and we state our truth 
Now, authority, the word itself, means originator. God is authority. We are authority. We are the originators. Like an author, note the same root of the word, authority and author have the same root, right? We are writing the verses of our lives always unceasingly. And we can continue to allow our lives to unfold in the manner that they will. And what I have found is that if I am not specific and direct about how I would like my life to show up, well, then I'm inviting in discord. And I don't want to do that anymore. And so if I'm willing to take charge of my thoughts, take charge of my beliefs, and take charge of my feelings, and I do this by focusing them through the practice of prayer, then what I find is I'm enhancing the quality and experience of my life. Now, this chapter in the book is called Communion with God. And again, between God and me, there is no between. So what, I, what we're really talking about is our identity as oneness, our identity as wholeness. There is no communion with God. There is only the experience of God as us. How do we experience this oneness? Well, first of all, let us, let us accept that that is the experience. Whether we call it good or we call it bad, every experience is a God experience. People don't want to hear that either because then they look at what's happening in Ukraine. They look what's happening in the Middle East. They look at what's happening you know, down the street in ways that don't feel so good, and they say, how is that possibly God? You're not going to like my answer to that. I don't have an answer to that, <laughs> except for this. Your responsibility is to yourself. Your responsibility is to shine your light. Your responsibility is to be the kindness. I think we need to go even beyond International Kindness Day, and let's call it Universal Kindness Life. And as we address, yes, as we address ourselves in this thing called life and we choose, like we do with this candle, as we choose to put our mind and our focus and our heart and our beliefs into the proliferation of kindness and respect and, and, and peace and harmony, then what we experience is that. And that energy actually continues to expand and grow with us as a point of center of that and as that becomes our prayer work, we are creating a more peaceful, prayerful world. She invites us, Ellen Devonport, the author of the book, invites us to build upon the previous principles in the practice of our prayer. I didn't realize it was going to be so alliterative when I said that. So if we start prayer with the construct of God is all there is, which is how we invite people to start prayer, start prayer with the construct of God is all there is. Let us make that a heartfelt, embodied understanding. God is all there is. And if God is all there is, then we must be God. Oh, so I'm building upon the principles. God is all there is. Then I must be that which is. I cannot be separate from the infinite. And if I am God, then I am the creator of my experience. And so I speak this out loud as the practice of prayer, and I am the creator, consciously or not, because we are conscious creators even if we are not aware that we are conscious creators, but if I am the divine presence and power of the divine, the divine presence of the divine, that's a really great way of phrasing that, isn't it? If I am the presence of the divine right where I am, then what I think, what I believe becomes creative in my experience, and that creation is rooted in the infinite. 
So we're already creating. We are already creating. Why not be purposeful about it? Which is what the fourth principle is all about. It's a, oh, look at, they're all up there. I'm so glad that he, <laughs> you were going with me and I totally forgot there was a slide, there were multiple slides for this. So God is all there is. We are God. God is, we are creative and prayer is the purposeful creation. It's not allowing our lives to just unfold willy-nilly based on whatever fleeting idea comes through our mind. Why not be purposeful about what we're doing? To be purposeful means we are praying as rather than to God. To be declarative, to make the statement, I am the infinite power and presence. Therefore, I know that my life is always unfolding in a healed manner, harmoniously, and that every experience I have is an experience of love, light, peace, power, beauty, and joy. How about that as a prayer? And that's the invitation. We pray very differently in this community. We do. We, we invite prayer in a very different way because I'm going to do this. <laughs> I did this once in my mentor's church when I was a guest speaker there, and he said, you got down on your knees. I'm like, we do not do this. Please, God, make my life something. Please, make it something. No. What we are doing in the prayer that we teach here at, at Unity of Tucson is we say, I know who I am, and so my life is something. And it does not detract or take away from anybody else. It cannot, because in the infinite, there is no level. There is only the magnificence. So Devonport, Devon, Ellen Devonport offers this as well, if you could bring up. This new concept of prayer may require a complete overhaul in our beliefs about ourselves and who we truly are. That has been the work of the first three principles. Do you have the willingness? Do you have the willingness to consider the adoption of what we have been teaching here. Remember, I start every service by saying, you get to decide. But for me, having that willingness, taking on these ideas, has enhanced my experience of life. And so I offer it to you as an offering. You get to decide what to do with it. Do you have the willingness to perhaps put it together and reconsider what has probably been very well established in your mind. We, I call it an already established premise, and our lives are unfolding, rooted in already established premises. We have many of them that are below the level of awareness. But as we bring them to the level of awareness, we are empowered in a way that says, I would like to hold on to this, or I would like to release this. Let's address some premises. I'm going to invite us all to close our eyes. Just close your eyes. Just allow yourself to take a breath. And I want you to just take in these words. I just want you to hear these words. There are no sick people. There are no needy people. Okay, now open your eyes. We're done. Let's go to brunch. <laughs> Just got to check something here. Well, 
the news apps on my phone seem to contradict <laughs> what we just claimed. There are still people who are apparently sick and needy in this world. So I guess this stuff doesn't work. I guess I can't change anything. And thus concludes the experiment. No! No! In the tradition where I came up through New Thought, the founder of that tradition, Ernest Holmes, offered this. If we are to prove such statements like, there are no sick people, there are no needy people, if we are to prove such statements to be facts in our experience, we shall be compelled to do more than announce a principle. It is not enough to say, there are no sick people. There are no needy people. I don't know why it's... Hi. <laughs> the invitation is to go to a place of embodiment, to embody the understanding that sickness and neediness and war and pestilence and any of it is not a requirement in our experience. That's what Myrtle Fillmore took into her heart as she looked to heal her own physical body with that understanding that she heard in the E.B. Weeks lecture when she was introduced to these ideas. I am a child of God and therefore do not inherit sickness. You know, and we've, we've moved beyond the language around that. We are not children of God. We are God. So why on earth would we as God accept anything other than wholeness? And that's what prayer is inviting us back to, a realization of wholeness. If you were in my prayer class, that's what we kept coming back to every single week, that the purpose of prayer is a realization of wholeness, our wholeness. And as we become the expression and experience of wholeness in ourselves, the world, the universe, we, have, we, we can affect the universe we can affect the universe to a greater realization and expression and experience of wholeness. So I'm going, to try, I'm going to invite us to try this again. And what I want you to do is when you close your eyes, close your eyes, I want you to pay attention to your mind. What's happening in relationship to these statements? There are no sick people. There are no needy people. Go ahead and open your eyes. Now, based on everything that I've just said, you're probably on top of what's happening in your mind. And you may actually have taken a step into the consciousness of prayer because your mind may have gone like this. There are no sick people. Well, of course there are sick people. But I know something more. That's a step into prayer. There are no needy people. I see them around me. I see needy people. I see them. But that's not the truth of being. And so I've taken a step into the practice of prayer. Are we going to master this in this now 19 minutes of me yammering away at you? Maybe not. Maybe so. You know your own mind. You know your own mind. My invitation to us 
as we are rooting ourselves in this fourth principle, that spiritual practice and specifically the power of prayer is a tenet that we offer here to change ourselves and thereby change the world. I invite you to activate it, to actually try to use it in a deeper way than you may ever have before. You know, when we see those things in our mind, oh, but I see sick people, I see needy people, I see war, I see discord. The mind does a little trick. It believes what it sees. And what we're inviting us into is to embody a new belief and allow what we see to be the reflection of that belief. The mind is often living in the conviction of the perceivable, forgetting, we do forget sometimes, that what is perceivable is what we are creating to change the effects of your experience, our work is to convince our minds of the dominion of immutable truth, to convince ourselves that God is the only active thing that is ever happening. And as we take that on and remember that God is love, God is light, God is peace, God is beauty, God is power, God is joy. That's why I want Sunday mornings to be joyful. When we find ourselves convinced of the dominion of those aspects of immutable truth, the experience of life changes. Ernest Holmes also wrote this, when the one praying becomes convinced, the prayer is automatically answered. The work of prayer is to convince ourselves. That's the work of prayer. We can all be winners. See, I was going to tie it into your talk. We can all be winners in the expression and experience of life. And there is no place for anything other than us all being winners because the infinite invites us all to win. That lyric, there's a lyric, and I'm going to paraphrase it slightly. There's a lyric in this. Um, Here's to the winners, lift up the glasses. To ask the best of ourselves, then give much more. That is what we are inviting ourselves into in this idea, this philosophy, this joyful expression of life to ask the best of ourselves, then give much more. Side note, that song was written by Joe Raposo and Sheldon Harnick. No, it was not written by, it was only written by Joe Raposo, but I'm mentioning Sheldon Harnick for a reason. Because in my very shameless way, I am now going to pitch a Broadway Christmas, which is a concert we're doing here on the 15th. We're doing a Joe Raposo song in a Broadway Christmas. Uh, that he co-wrote with Sheldon Harnick. And if you don't know who Sheldon Harnick is, he was the lyricist for shows like Fiddler on the Roof and The Rothschilds and, I, I mean, and, and She Loves Me and all kinds of great shows. Um, Joe Raposo made his transition in 1989. But I'm so excited that we're doing a song of his in A Broadway Christmas. Did you even know that? Yeah, same composer. Okay, if God is all there is, <laughs> in my shameless plug... Here's the thing. Let's ask the best of ourselves, then let us give much more. If God is all there is, then our prayers needn't be limited. If God is all there is, there is no lack. There is only the infinite more. If God is all there is, then we can ask the best of ourselves and give much more because there is always, always, always much, much more. Peace and blessings. You're magnificent. <laughs> Thank you.
The homework, and if you're new to our community, I give homework every week, but the homework during the uh, fall renewal has been fairly simple. The homework now is to complete reading the five principles. Now it's the final principle and there's like an acknowledgement or there's a afterward and things like that. So finish reading the book this week and we will discuss the fifth principle next week. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.